Previously on Wove Inspiration. Well, the first, well, when I went to research the uh, song justice, I saw that most parents, uh, the, the the children of the incarcerated parents, mm-hmm. you know, you you in jail, your your child won't talk to you. Yeah. And right now, for the state of Texas, in order to talk to your parent while they're in jail, it's six ninety five just to connect the service to your phone. And then it's 20 cents a minute. This is Wove Inspiration. Here to inspire, encourage, and uplift. Well, good morning, good morning. This is Wove Inspiration's Monday Morning Motivation. I am your host, Althea Richardson, and today it is a privilege and honor to have on my show today, Mr. Jeremy Burke. Now, Jeremy is going to be sharing some information about his first published book that will be published this year. It is entitled Stand Up and Fight Back, and it's based on his childhood and growing up in an environment where he was bullied. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your story. Ah, well, thank you for having me. This is great. I really appreciate you uh, giving me an opportunity to speak. You are very welcome. So um, let's go ahead and start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, I, uh, I grew up in uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, just outside of Buffalo, New York. Um, I attended uh, public school uh, all the way up until high school, uh, and then I, my parents had uh, kind of pulled me out of the public school system and transferred me to a uh, Jesuit high school, uh, which is a, a Catholic high school, and then uh, I have a college degree from St. Joe's University uh, down in Philadelphia, uh, mm-hmm. which is the area I live in right now, and uh, I my kind of path through life has taken me through experiences within the military. Um, I've been a competitive rower, um, as well as I've worked for, uh, you know, a major Fortune 50 uh, company in doing sales, uh, to also then I left there recently and started to open up my own brewery, uh, and then actually left that brewery, and I'm working with another brewery right now and uh, kind of jumping into the world of writing and uh, public speaking and trying to tell the story or tell the world my story a little bit. Okay. So you basically started to, or you decided to go ahead and start writing because you wanted to share your story. So the name of your first published book is called Stand Up and Fight Back. Tell me a little bit about the book. So uh, the book is, I would say the first probably 70% of it uh, really details as much as I could remember um, the experiences that I went through uh, or had when I was in, the, which began in fourth grade uh, when I was being bullied in school. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of it happened on the school bus, uh, but as things progressed uh, into fifth grade and then sixth grade, it, it kind of spilled out into, you know, the playground and, the, you know, within the school building itself and eventually uh, a lot of the bullying started to find me out in public places as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it kind of all began, I think, how most typical 
bullying experiences begin for everybody, which is, you know, just a, a bunch of kind of tougher or older kids, you know, making the rounds in the school bus and just calling everybody names, picking on them, trying to find any sort of little weakness in somebody uh, that they can exploit and try to make people, you know, feel terrible about themselves. Right. Um, and it's, you know, I think a lot of people kind of look at bullies and they, they say, oh, they're just, you know, they're trying to hurt other people or trying to make people feel bad. Some people argue that, you know, bullies are hurting on the inside and they're just lashing out. And mm-hmm. I think there's a million arguments as to why kids bully others. Um, I do believe that there is an internal thing that, you know, some of these kids who are bullies kind of suffer from and whether it's lashing out or making a kind of negative cry for help, you know, they, they're kind of using whatever these negative feelings they have inside and they're trying to project that, that hate and that, that anger that they have onto others. Um, But it's, you know, it started with just simple, you know, kids calling you, you know, stupid or or gay or what, you know, whatever name that, whatever label they could come up with for anybody. And it really didn't matter. It's whatever the titles or labels were, it didn't matter what they were. It was just keep plugging away until you, you know, you seem to kind of strike a chord with somebody. Um, and what's interesting in writing this book, I, I kind of started to really think about those initial couple of weeks on the bus when it began mm-hmm. and how some kids seemed to escape it and how I didn't. Um, and the, the, the big thing that I really identified was uh, some kids got were at least effective or getting really good at the art of deflecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if let's say the bullies came around and started to pick on somebody, you know, they would kind of take it and say, yeah, you're right. I'm stupid, whatever. They, but then they'd look around and figure out how can I turn them, their attention to somebody else? Right. Um, a lot of times it might be, you know, oh, look at the, stupid shirt Jimmy's wearing that stupid and kind of kind of like here's a shiny object over there just go look that way and a lot of times these bullies would just gravitate because they didn't they were not necessarily to hurt any one person it was just to exert some sort of I would say maybe like a dominance over everyone yeah so yeah and some kids survived I think all of that bullying because they were good at deflecting it to others Um, my biggest downfall, my, probably my biggest regret out of all of this was when it finally landed on me, I tried to run away from it or ignore it. Mm -hmm. And it it got to the point where typically when I was being bullied, I would kind of just kind of hunker down and I used to call it like, you know, my, my crash position, you know, I just sit there with my book bag on my knees and I just kind of hunch over and just stare at my bag and you know, I, I really felt like I was kind of escaping out of my, you know, like an outer, out of body experience. You know, if I could just remove myself from this and ignore them, it was like I didn't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that was and when I really started to analyze how all this went down, I'm watching this little kid being tormented and he's escaping from the bullies by kind of separating his soul, if you will, from, from the rest of his body. And it's actually, I think it kind of infuriated the bullies or kind of motivated them to push harder and, and, you know, push further into this uh, Mm -hmm. because they wanted reactions. They wanted you, you know, to show signs of weakness and suffering. Um, And so the more I tried to ignore it, then the worse it got. And over a period of several months, 
it would just, it would escalate to, you know, to the point where I was in the beginning where I was one of probably 30 kids that were being picked on to now I was the only one. And especially when it got bad enough to the point where I started crying, mm-hmm. um, that's when I know it became really at that point, it was like they weren't interested in anybody else because now I, I had given them something that they could cling to as a, like a reward, right, you know, to, yeah. the ability to make another child cry um, through just verbal insults, you know, mm-hmm. was, I think, a, a victory for them. And I can really look back on that little kid that I was and realize I was allowing this to happen and I was actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting though, because I think, and today it's, you know, bullying is not much different than it's always been. It's just done in different ways. It's done, yeah. I think, to a greater, greater intensity. Oh, definitely. Um, but what, what's interesting for, in my case, was that, it, you know, as I, as I kind of sat there and I, I would, you know, remove myself further and further. And then I would start crying. I was giving them little pieces of reward, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, as they would make their way around the bus and, and every day, you know, everybody got a little bit of bullying, but these kids would, um, you know, they're looking for something. And even if they get somebody to just kind of like kind of cower before them, or mm-hmm. you get the other kids that would just openly admit whatever they were being, you know, told they were, you know, if they were calling somebody ugly and stupid, then Mm -hmm. they would just say, you're right, I'm stupid. And it was kind of like they were paying tribute to the king, you know, and that's what these, these bullies were looking for. They were looking to be honored and, and, you know, kind of bowed before. Right. Right. It's kind of like, um, it is for domestic, domestic violence victims where it's, it's pretty much, um, the the abuser is uh, the one that's basically trying to be in control, and then it's all about. It always ends up sure. being about power and control. Um, one of the things that was interesting in what you were saying is that you know when you didn't respond, basically the way that you they wanted you to respond, it intensified because they were. It's like they were like, okay, I can't get him this way. Let's continue to do this over and over again until he breaks. And, and yes, it's, that's it's, exactly it's, it. Great, that is just insane. And were these the same kids over and over again, or were it just different kids? Yeah, or? it was. Um, so for my fourth grade, uh, it was it was basically two two boys. I mean, there was a group of maybe four of them, but there's really two that were kind of like doing this they were leading this charge all the time the other kind of kids that hung out with them were not necessarily mm-hmm. actively involved and one was in fifth grade one was in sixth grade um and then so in my uh elementary school growing up we had we were kind of split in two where kindergarten and third grade had one set schedule and then fourth fifth and sixth was on another set schedule so two different bus times and so it's kind of like when i got into fourth grade all of a sudden it was like you just joined a new school, you know, and you're the, yeah. you're the low man on the totem pole again. And, um, so, and I would have basically at least two and then into my third year with, with these guys. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, generally basically the same two guys over and over again. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I talk about in my book is it, how it keeps escalating more and more. And, when it got to the point where, and I don't know whether they were bored of just seeing me cry or if I was 
kind of just, it was almost very knee-jerk, you know, that as soon as I could hear them coming up the aisle, mm-hmm. I would assume my kind of crash position and I just, I could feel myself escaping. Um, eventually it started to get physical where it would be something as simple as, you know, they poke you in your ribs or they kind of slap you in the back of the head or something. You know, it mm-hmm. just, it was a lot of this annoyance physicalness. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, like a real big fight or anything. It was just yeah. a lot of very demeaning physical abuse, you know, slapping mm-hmm. somebody around, you know, kind of poking at them. And, um, but it, it what one of the other things I kind of address in my book is as I kind of go through all this abuse is, is there's different times where I can, it's not that I remember it vividly, but I'm kind of, I'm thinking as I'm rereading my own story, I'm kind of thinking about things that I know I thought about back then was I would look around at the other kids who some were my friends, or I guess at that point, I wouldn't necessarily call them my friends, but, um, and I could see that all of them were kind of relieved that, somebody else is in the crosshairs of these guys and it wasn't them. Mm, So that's, you know, and that's something that I think carries true today in a lot of different, you know, cases of schoolyard bullying where, you know, I mean, I've even seen it with my kids and with their friends that everybody quickly jumps on the bandwagon as long as someone else is the target because nobody wants to be the person that's the point of ridicule or the person that's being picked on. And, it's very simple for like the, the masses or the majority of the kids to just jump on board and because they're glad that they're not the ones being picked on. Mm-hmm. That and that's sense. essentially, yeah. And that's essentially what happens. Now, my question, um, with all of this that was going on with you as a, as a child, where did your parents, um, did they not notice anything um, as far as when you come home from school um, was there anything that they picked up that was like, okay, there's something going on and was anything addressed? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I do talk about this quite a bit that I, I, my whole motivation every day, you know, that I got up was, I just wanted to be a regular kid, mm-hmm. just go to school, hang out with my friends and just, and just, and just be, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, so I, I got real good at compartmentalizing a lot of this where my miserable times were as soon as I knew the bus was coming or it was time to leave school and get on the bus. That's when I would kind of fall into like a depression, if you will. Um, And for the most part, it was always on the bus. Eventually things did escalate into the school, which, you know, made my entire day feel terrible, but I was real good at kind of hiding what was going on um, because I just, I just, didn't want to have to deal with it. You know, I, I wanted it to just go away. You know, it's kind of like how I dealt with the bullies instead of confronting them, you know, or pushing back. Mm-hmm. I just tried to escape from it because I just wanted it to, to go away and then everything be normal again. Yeah. And so when it came to my parents, I mean, this went on for months and they had no idea. Um, I think the first glimpse they got was that, you know, uh, let's see, it would be like, four months into that school year when we went on Christmas break mm-hmm. and, you know, we're off uh, sledding at the local hill and the the guys that were boarding me were there. And after about 20, 30 minutes of being there, they, they saw that I was there too. 
mm-hmm. and started to kind of make a game out of trying to ridicule me and then try to sled down the hill and run into me. And eventually my, I know my dad and a couple of the other dads were starting to get annoyed because these boys were just reckless all over the place. Right. And eventually they yelled at these kids, you know, to knock it off and then to just leave. Mm-hmm. But they didn't make a connection that this was something beyond just this day, you know, right. this Saturday on the, on the sledding hill. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a while. I would say it was probably almost until the springtime of that, of fourth grade before, and this was after it started to get real physical. And I remember the first time it got very physical. It was just, I had, you know, somebody behind me and somebody, you know, in the seat next to me and basically just flicking my ears, slapping my face, hitting me over the head. You know, one kid took my sneaker off from underneath the seat and they would mm-hmm. hit me with my sneaker. And so I'm crying. I've got snot coming out of my nose. I'm mm-hmm. all red. My ears are red from being flicked. And I get off the bus and my mom greeted me at the door in mm-hmm. utter shock. And she was, couldn't believe it. She was, yeah. what, what happened to you? And you know, I didn't want to say anything to her. I just cried and tried to run up to my room. But, you know, like any good mother, she wants to know what, what happened because I right. must have looked awful. And so that was probably, yeah, I would say, yeah, it was probably a good almost six months into experiencing all this stuff uh, before my parents had any indication that something like this was going on. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if I could go back, certainly I would have loved to have had them know the first week, but. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what, when did the transition um, happen for you as far as the bullying? Did, did it ever stop? Did it continued on in high school or when was like the, the breaking sure. point where all of this stuff stopped? So I would say, well, after that experience of getting off the bus and my mom saw that she you know, immediately called the school the next day um, mm-hmm. and talked to the principal about it. And of course I was brought into the principal's office and, you know, again, one of the things I really address is the breakdown in the system, uh, yeah. you know, that should be there to protect kids. And one of the, you know, and this is back in the early eighties, one of the principal's methods for dealing with it was as I sat there, he brought the two bullies in and uh, yeah. just, yelled with fire and brimstone and i vividly remember feeling like i'm the star witness against the mob and they just brought in the you know the mafia boss to say leave this kid alone and stop picking up yeah (laughs) yeah exactly you're killing me right and he yelled and yelled and yelled and you know it's as soon as we walked out of the office and got halfway down the hall both these kids you know looked at me and said you're dead you know, yeah. you were going to pay for this. And, and, and I did within it, it probably, I had maybe a good three or four days before anything happened again, because mm-hmm. I think they were waiting out the system to see, all right, are we going to be continue to watch? And, in, and when it started up again, it was kind of little by little, you know, mm-hmm. you know, start with name calling, they would kind of spread it around to everybody. And then eventually it got to me and then it was, it got within Within a week, it was right back where we, we left off. Right. And it continued on and off like that for the rest, excuse me, for the rest of that year um, to the point where I think we went back into the principal's office two more times and he kept yelling and threatening to suspend everybody. And yeah. um, 
at one point I know my mother even called the parents of one of the kids that was picking on me. And I remember sitting in the dining room. I do have a vivid memory of this. I had just gotten off the bus and looked all terrible. And uh, she's telling this kid's mother what I looked like and what's Mm -hmm. been going on. And I could tell from the conversation, this woman was telling my mother to just go pound sand. And eventually my mom's, you can, you can, you know, as a little kid when your mom's angry (laughs) Mm -hmm. because her tone of voice shot up and, you know, she went after this woman. She's like, are you crazy? You know, what's wrong with you? And how dare you? And, you know, yeah. your son's a menace. And she even threatened to call an attorney. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, and I knew that was kind of a, a moment where I knew that this is never going to go away. Because yeah. this, my mother's calling his mom and they're, you know, and they're reacting this way that, you know, they don't seem to care about the principal getting involved, nor when my parents call his parents. And so it. I think after the that incident and then calling the principal uh, or getting going into the principal's office again, it seemed to kind of die off uh, a little bit uh, mm-hmm. for the remainder of the year. Um, but it, it, it kind of culminated towards, it was like within the last couple of weeks of school. Mm-hmm. Um, I know at one point, you know, the so the these guys felt like they were being watched a little bit, so they didn't do a lot of active bullying on the bus. Okay. Uh, it was it was very verbal. They had no problem still being in their verbal uh, threats and everything. Uh, but they actually at one point started talking about how we were going to arrange for us to just go somewhere and fight. And and I had no choice in the matter. We were going to have to fight, and there were rules, you know, that I had to follow for the fight, which seemed ridiculous. You know? wow. um, okay. And they actually one day I got off the bus, I go into the house, and ten minutes later there's a door. Uh, you know, the doorbell rings and they're there. And wow. I didn't think for the life of me, there's no way these guys are going to actually fight with my mom at home. And, right. you know, so I walked outside with them figuring, all right, well, we're just going to stand here and they'll yell at me or whatever, but this is never, and they ended up, you know, I started to get, you know, physically assaulted. And, you know, thankfully my mother was suspicious about this and she was looking out the window. She immediately came outside and, drug me inside and told those kids to go away. Um, So at least that, that kind of event ended anything else for the rest of the year, because it was, you know, they, you know, I I guess the principal finally wisened up that nothing was going to change these guys, but it at least gave me some peace of mind the last like two weeks of school, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, so I would say ultimately though, the bullying never stopped until, um, I left that school system, okay. uh, which would have been at the end of eighth grade. Um, you know, fifth grade was just as bad. These guys found me, you know, in the mall, they found me in, in a grocery store. They found me, I mean, everywhere we used to go ride our bikes, you know, with my friends, they would find mm-hmm. me there. Um, and by sixth grade, well, in, so in fifth grade, the kid who was one year older than me, he started to kind of you know, recruit some new followers, if you will. It was like kind of like he was building a new gang, if wow. you could. And, and and we weren't like in, in an inner city school district or something. This was, uh, you know, we were in the suburbs. It wasn't a mm-hmm. real affluent area, but, you know, just a basic, simple, middle-class suburb. Um, and, yeah, so it was like by the time sixth grade came around and both those guys had left the school, 
they went on to another school for the seventh and eighth grade. Okay. I had this group of peers now that were trained in how to, to bully me. And it was, it continued for quite a while. It was mostly verbal with these guys, but mm-hmm. I would say within a couple, couple of months, I had hit my breaking point. And I, there was one day in the bus, I'll never forget it. It got so bad with their attacks. I mean, they, one kid took my shoe off and threw it out the window. Uh, my lunchbox was thrown out the window at one point, And I, I remember I just snapped and cause I had said something under my breath and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody around me was like, Ooh, what do you say? Yeah. Yeah. So the one kid basically dragged me to the back of the bus. And I'm like, all right, tough guy, you know, you want to fight it? And I lost it. I just started screaming obscenities and everything I could, every curse word I could think of, I was coming out of my mouth. Yeah. And and so we're parked at the school waiting to go in, you know, for the morning. And uh, the bus driver basically got up, came back there and grabbed me by the shirt collar and one of the other boys by the shirt collar and dragged us all into the office. Mm -hmm. She was raising holy all this, you know, what was going on. And the worst part about that was, she basically said, these boys are all a menace. They're all terrible. They're fighting all the time. They're arguing and screaming. Wow. And she's pointing her finger at me, too. I'm like, I'm the victim. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you just blumped everybody together and instead of trying yeah. to sort it, like, sort it out. Right. That is so, crazy. So, fortunately for, for me, at least, the, these boys were a little bit more concerned about being suspended. So, when the principal started screaming about it, Mm-hmm. That at least ended their format on school. Um, okay. I had seen them out a few places in, in public, but uh, at least for the remainder of that school year, the last couple of months of school, at least being on the bus and on, you know, in the cafeteria and wherever, I wasn't enduring any of that again. Mm-hmm. Um, you get mm-hmm. some verbal slights every now and then, but at least it, it got better in that respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of, I would say the bulk of it was between fourth and fifth and then sixth grade um seventh and eighth wasn't too bad i really you know it was kind of like since we all moved into a different school building it was kind of like we had grown up a little bit um but i knew my parents knew that was going to be the end of my public school experience and they Mm -hmm. more or less told me you're you're going to this this catholic high school we don't you know we're just going to send you there and i wish they had sent me to you know, a school like that earlier, you yeah. know, I might have been able to avoid a lot of that. But, um, you know, I think they were along the way. I know my mother was a big proponent that the system is going to work. The system will work this out. And, mm-hmm. you know, the she, you know, the, the principal all along, you know, gave her lip service and promised, all right, I'm going to take care of this. This is going to end. And, and it never did. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I know there are certain points in my book, I, I as I'm reading it, I'm like, how bad does it have to get you know it's just you know it it just amazes me that sometimes it's still pretty similar today I Mm -hmm. think that um you know a lot of this goes on and you know it it's terrible that after somebody snaps and either hurts themselves or others then you go back and read how long this has been going on it's like wait a minute (laughs) why has this been going on that long Exactly. And, and it's much, much, well, to me, it's much worse than it was when, when we were growing up because now we have social media and, oh yeah and, and it's, and it's like, you know, it's all about trying to impress everyone and, you know, have a certain image and, 
and then in popularity. So now you're not only dealing with the um, the face-to-face bullying, you now have the internet, uh, uh, the social media bullying on there where people start spreading rumors and everything. And yep. the, the only thing that I see that now is worse in this day and time is a lot of kids that are being bullied, they end up committing suicide and that oh sure hurts my heart to no end to to see this on it on a level where it is so it has now become so consistent that it's it's almost scary so it's like okay what what do we need to do as as parents even in, in my household if i don't care if you're not even my child i need you to talk to to us and let us know what is going on with you so that we can address the situation. Whoever it is that's bullying you, let's go ahead and take care of this. Let's talk to the parents, the parents of the bully. Let's deal with this issue. So what, what suggestions can you offer to parents that may be listening to this, that, you know, their child may very well be bullied and or being bullied and they've gone through the system and, and all of that. And, you know, they're supposed to be uh, to where the system is, is trying to work a lot better with the parents. But, you know, every right. now and then there's someone that falls through the cracks. So what would you suggest? Well, I think the, I mean, the biggest thing is, I think parents really need to understand um, is that everything is, is stacked much higher against the welfare of your child these days. You know, like yeah. you mentioned, the social media. Social media has done something amazing for bullying in that it's made it incredibly easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, back when, so when I was a kid, if you're going to bully somebody, you're putting yourself out there at risk of getting punched in the face. Right. You know, now you can bully kids five states away and never even have to face them. Exactly. You know, and, and I think parents need to understand that. Like, I, I know several parents that, you know, their kids have smartphones and they're on all kinds of social media. And the parents are lucky if they can figure out how to work the remote for their TV. Mm. You need to keep up with your kids and, and, yes. and get involved. You know, I always say that, you know, whenever I talk to parents about, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do about this and that. I said, you need to get involved, be a parent. You know, it's, yeah. I, you know, like when I talk about how my mother's got a lot of lip service from the school and she was mm. always told, all right, we're going to take care of this. You know, that should never be good enough for any parent. I mm-hmm. think you have to, start parents need to basically hold you know educational institutes uh accountable you know if a principal or whoever it is is saying you know what i'm gonna look into this i'll i'll figure out what's going on and we'll remedy it you know you you find them and say great i'll call you next week and we'll discuss exactly and you make it a point that i'm going to i'm not going away you know it's um and even you know and i always say like one of the things i look at is you know you can't accept you know, just the words, you know, I know when my wife and I were first married and I would tell her, yes, I'm going to do this or yes, I'll do that. So I don't want to hear your words. Actions mean everything. Words don't mean anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned very quickly from, at least from being married to her that, yeah, mm-hmm. if, you know, somebody's going to tell you they're going to do something. Well, let's see if they do it. You know, and you yeah. got to go back just like if you were a boss at a workplace, you know, your employees, you give them, you know, tasks to do. You don't just go home for the day. Mm-hmm. You go check and make sure everything's been done. Um, and, and that's it. So, yeah, parents need to get very involved, 
follow up on this stuff uh, and hold the, you know, the, the schools accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think schools need to really take an honest look at the state of bullying as it is today. Like you mentioned suicide. Yeah. When I was a kid back in the eighties, I never knew anybody that committed or attempted suicide. And, and when I say anybody, I don't, I mean, I never even heard it on the news Yeah. or it wasn't, you know, like, it wasn't like, oh, a kid over at this school, you know, five pounds away committed to, we've never even heard of it. Right. Yeah. Even, now it's almost like, I think it's been like romanticized, you know, right. it, it, it's happening all the time, you know, yeah. and whether it's a kid who goes home and commits suicide in the privacy of their home or, or somewhere, or they're, you know, they're deciding that they're going to, you know, bring a gun into school and kill a bunch of people and then right. kill themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, it, that is how all this stuff is happening so much more. And I think we need to get real honest with ourselves mm-hmm. as adults, you know, and I would say all parents and educators as, as far as what's going on in our schools and mm-hmm. how, and how we're dealing with it. You know, I, I, one of the things I discuss is, um, when my girls were in elementary school and they would have these anti-bullying programs they would do and they would, you know, they would watch like a video that mm-hmm. I, I remember they came home one day and they were telling me about this silly video they watched and they thought it was so stupid. And I eventually, I looked back to the emails from the school and found out, you know, they had mentioned somewhere in there who the um, company was that they bought these videos from or whatever. And I went on, YouTube and looked at them and watched them, and they were really terrible. Mm. This is how we're dealing with bullying. And, you know, it's, I do believe, yes, you want to teach kids compassion, you want to teach them to respect others. Right. But if if that's the end of it, if that's as far as you go, then (laughs) you, all you've done is you've made the kids who are receptive to that kind of behavior Mm -hmm. a little bit better. The kids who are not receptive to it are not going to change. So schools need to, I think, really get honest with themselves about these programs they do. I mean, even, I mean, we're spending thousands of dollars on these videos. Um, They even had a a guy who was a magician come into school and he would perform tricks while he talked about respecting others and not bullying kids. And my Mm. kids thought, they all thought that was the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) I think they were like fifth grade or something. They they all saw through it. They're like, kids can tell when, when adults are pandering and, you know, so I, I think we need to, you know, get a real hard look. I mean, I would love to see that if, you know, the first time, you know, my parents at least knew that I was being bullied, mm-hmm. you know, the principal has the, you know, the boys and their parents come into school, they sit down, discuss everything that's happened, and then basically lay it on the line. You can't do this again. You do it, you're gone. And then start making a plan for how are we going to fix this? How are we going to change your son or daughter's behavior? Um and schools need to hold the parents accountable. You know, yes. it's, I mean, it's so many of these times, I mean, how many times have we saw in the news or read about, you know, like a school shooting and the parents are there and they had no idea their child was even thinking of doing that. I'm like, yeah. really? And, that, <laughs> you know, and that's what's mind-boggling. Yeah, because the, one of the things that people are, are, are parents need to do, really, really need to do, is sit down with your child and have a conversation with them on a daily basis. We need to go back to the days where we sat around the table and ask each other, how was your day? Uh, what went on 
in your uh, in school today because that was the way that we were um, able to find out about my son being bullied sure. by um, his some classmates and you know it was it was um, not like really a, a it was a major issue to my son because it had something to do with his hair. I don't, I don't know what, what the deal was, but they kept right. making fun of his hair. And it got to the point where we would still, you know, we would ask him, you know, how's your day? And of course, as, as um, when they're young, they're like, you know, it was okay. And, but then we started suspecting like something's not right. And then he would go in his room and I was like, okay, no, we need to have a talk. And long story short, he basically told us what was going on and it was getting pretty serious because he was starting to go into a depression mode. And, and I was like, no, we need to go and address this. And, you know, my husband is, is the type of person where he, he, you don't want him going up to the school. It's just not good. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not a good thing at all. So um, it ended up, you know, we, long story short, we end up taking them out of the school because the conversations at our school were all, the, when they were telling us about their conversations um, about their school and what's going on, it was like every other day, somebody's fighting, somebody's doing this and that. I'm like, okay, that's enough. We're taking yeah. you out of that and let's, you know, have you focus on being at home, doing home, you know, uh, homeschool and everything. But, you know, it, parents, it is so important that you, con that you connect with your children every single day, asking them questions, um, just have Absolutely. a conversation with them. It is so important. So, um, well, and you know, the, it, it's interesting because my wife and I, you know, we both try to make it a point to, always be interjecting ourselves into our kids' lives, yes. all since they were real little. And my wife gets very frustrated because she's expecting a full dialogue. I know because <laughs> we did it as kids. <laughs> we did the same thing as kids. When your parents say, how was school? You right. say, fine. And that's pretty much the only answer you give for everything. Just fine. Yes. So I don't, she gets mad when they do that. She wants to know details, you know, who did you talk to? What happened today? You know, anything funny happened? You know, and I keep telling her, I said, you're, you're almost crying too hard. I said, <laughs> just, just keep asking, keep asking. Every yeah. time done, they'll throw something out there, you know, but for me, my thing was, I want to make sure that the, my daughters know that I am always there, you yes. know, and I, I'm not going to pry. But I'm always there no matter what. And I can, you know, and you can tell sometimes when your kid's going through something and they're, they're struggling. So mm -hmm. maybe you ask twice or you ask a little bit more. Um, I know the one time I knew my daughter was upset about something. So I didn't really press her on it. But I ended up just sitting there on the couch near where she was watching TV. And I just pulled out my phone and just sat on my phone. Mm -hmm. Just being near her, eventually she started to kind of open up. And, right. you know, so it's, again, it, parents just need to really get involved. And, you know, like you guys saw with, you know, with your son as well, yeah. you, you can't, you can't rely on the system to ever protect you and your family. You mm -hmm. have to, you know, like, and so my, my biggest thing is in my book that I, I, I look back on what I went through and I think is in the case of a lot of kids is that we really need to teach our kids what self-confidence uh, and self-esteem really are and yes. teach them that you know, if, if something is pushing on you push back 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, my wife and I always told our girls, if you're getting picked on and somebody's, you know, intimidating you, I don't care if they're calling you names or if they're actually pushing you, mm-hmm. you just make a fist and punch them right in the nose. That's right. And, and then you turn around, you walk away. And they were like, what? I'm like, hey, you're going to get in trouble. You're, I mean, we're going to end up being called out of the principal's office, but that's okay. Right. You'll get yelled at by the principal, but you will not get yelled at by us. Exactly. And, you know, she experienced some, some, some bullying when she was younger as well, not mm-hmm. to the degree I did, but, you know, I think everybody's gone through some of it. Yeah. Um, for girls, it's different. It's a whole different way of, of bullying. But I think, you know, to me, it's, you know, again, some people always say bullies are actual cowards and some are, you know, they're looking to intimidate others. Mm-hmm. Regardless, bullies only go where it's easy for them. Right. I made it brutally easy for these guys to just absolutely wear me down to the point of breaking. Mm-hmm. And I could look back on it. If I had just turned to, the, to that kid that first couple of weeks this was happening and just punched him right in the face. Yeah, I might have taken a beating. I might have, you know, gotten beat up or whatever. But it would have ended, and at least, you know, it would have ratcheted back to what everybody else was getting, which was the occasional verbal torment. Um, But I, I mean, we've seen you see videos now all the time. They go out on like Facebook and YouTube that you know where some kid's getting picked on, and all of a sudden he just says, "No, that's it," and then just winds up punching the kids a bully in yeah. the face and the bully's like, oh, what are you doing? Right. They're yeah. in shock, you know, because they want you to be a victim and you, you can't go through life being a victim. It'll, even if the school steps in and says, we will protect you and nobody will ever intimidate you. Well, the school's not with you 24 yeah, seven. And you're exactly. eventually going to leave and go to another school. Like, you know, one of the things I learned about myself in this book that, you know, I, I think I'm a very, confident and motivated person but it took me like better part of 30 some odd years to get to this point mm-hmm. and the, one of the interesting issues was while it was great that my parents pulled me out of that school system and put me into another school because I could recreate myself I could be a new person again and right. not go through all that I never actually dealt with it mm-hmm. um, writing this book was my therapy you know I never spoke to anybody you know, about things I went through, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it was professionally or a school counselor or, you know, even my parents for that matter. I never, never dealt with these issues. I just compartmentalized them, tucked them away and, you know, tried not to think about them again. And that's a problem, I think, too. And again, we have a huge mental health crisis in this country that, that's affecting yes, things uh... in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it stems back to we don't we don't always address our problems. We kind of right. push them away. Right. So exactly. yeah, well, I, I think, you know, moving to a new school or maybe putting kids in another classroom might be great. You still got to address. I, at least for me, I, you know, if I could go back and tell my mom to do something different, I would have said, you know what, you need to go sit down with him and maybe have him talk to a counselor about yeah. what he went through, yeah. you know, because yeah. I think that would have made some real, I had, I struggled with learning for so long because, I couldn't concentrate. I was constantly wondering when somebody was going to come in the room and punch me in the head or something. And Mm -hmm. I lived in fear all the time. Yeah. Wow. So you are also a part of an organization. It's called Follow Me Leadership. Is that your organization? Yeah. So I I basically created the, it's more or less like a side business, but I wanted something to encompass 
what I'm trying to do, uh, which is, you know, it's not necessarily just a campaign and bullying, but I, I'm trying to promote leadership uh, in all walks of life, whether it's a child all the way up to adults in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And um, so eventually after I finished uh, high school and college, I was in the Army and I was an infantry officer. And the, the motto of the U.S. Army Infantry is follow me. And, it, and everything we learned was about as a leader in, in the Army, you lead from the front. And that was our whole motto is getting others to follow you where you need them to go. So it's kind of something I'm taking and using to promote my, you know, this whole aspect and, you know, and it covers a lot of different areas. So, you know, kind of like trying to tell the world like, Hey, you need to stand up, you know, and let's get people to to follow you, you know, where they need to go. Whether it's, you know, I had one kid remember stuck up for me when I was little. Mm-hmm. He was an older kid, and all these kids were kind of yelling at me or whatever. And he walked over and he said, "Hey, knock it off! Leave this kid alone! What did he do to you?" Yeah. And you know they all yell at him, and he said, "No, I said knock it off, <laughs> or are you and I are gonna have a problem?" Right. And I was like, that was such an awesome moment that if we can get more kids and and adults to do stuff like that yeah. for everyone else, I mean that would make a severe impact in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So real quick, Jeremy, um, how can yep. people get in contact with you? Uh, so my website will be out soon. It's uh, Uh You can also find me on Instagram at leadership. Follow me. Uh, I'm on Facebook uh, under follow me leadership and Twitter. You can find me at uh, Jeremy M. Burke one. Okay. And how can people uh, look to get a per- to be able to purchase your book, Stand Up, Fight Back? It should hopefully be on Amazon listing for pre-orders, um, I would say, close to Thanksgiving. Awesome. Awesome. And so, folks, when it is out, I will definitely be putting, posting a link on my uh, Facebook page, which is Wove Inspiration. And um, if you are interested in getting a copy of his book, get in contact with him on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You have got to get a copy of this book because this is definitely going to make a difference in someone's life. And we need to make changes in, in dealing with this bullying issue. So, Jeremy, it has been a pleasure and honor to have you on my show. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with you as well. You are very welcome. This is Althea with Wove Inspirations Monday Morning Motivation. You guys have an awesome day. God bless. Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to Wove Inspiration. If you'd like to follow us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at W-O-V-E Inspiration. If you want to leave a comment or question, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, email us at woveinspiration at gmail.com. This is Althea Richardson. I hope everyone has an awesome day and keep moving forward.